Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So this is obviously a, a labor podcast, right? It's the official podcast for local 1150 members who are the workers at Sikorsky Aircraft. Um, we talk about a lot about, you know, the labor movement, uh, about union stuff. But our members are proud workers at Sikorsky Aircraft, and and they want to hear about the company sometimes as well, right? So, so that's today. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the company. We're going to talk about the future of Sikorsky Aircraft. There's a lot of stuff on the horizon. We're going to take a peek into the crystal ball and, and let you know what's out there, what's coming. Uh, but first, let's do a benefits bite. So today we're talking about the difference between a health savings account and a flexible spending account. So each year you've got the option to put money into a tax-deferred account. The tax deferral amounts are set by the IRS. But basically you could stash some money in one of the one of these two accounts and use it for your medical, dental, vision, or other qualified medical expenses. Um, in order to have a health savings account or an HSA, you have to be on a high deductible health plan. Um, and there's a few other rules. You can't be claimed as a dependent uh, on someone else's taxes. You can't be enrolled in Medicare. Um, but with a health savings account, you'd put money into your account each week and the balance builds up as you save, just like a regular savings account. You can change your contribution limit or amount at any time. Each year you've got a maximal deferral um, for a single person of $3,650, for a family $7,300. Um, and if you're age 55 and older, you can contribute an extra $1,000 as a catch-up contribution. These limits change year to year, so you should just check in every year, make sure that you're taking advantage of the full amount. The amount for the health savings account can be used to pay for medical expenses in retirement. So it's a nice feature that you can build it up over time and have that uh, to carry with you. And you can carry that balance over year to year. So I, I, I want to make sure people understand that some of these rules that you're talking about, right, the, um, the rules surrounding what kind of uh, medical plan you have to have, um, the rules about you not being claimed as a dependent on somebody else's taxes. These are IRS rules. These are not rules that are bargained into our benefits, but these are IRS rules that, that dictate that. Right. Yeah. In some cases, the company has a few options they can choose from under the law, and it depends by the plan. Um, so it's always important to check with your steward, you know, look at, uh, call up the benefit center or, you know, check the summary plan description. Um, moving on, the flexible spending account is the other type of account you could have. That's the type of account you would have if you're on one of the build-your-own style plans or a traditional style health plan. Um, you can only change your contribution for a flexible spending account during the open enrollment period. You have to kind of guess, you know, what are my needs going to be? And you put that in at the start of the year. The downfall to one of these plans is that it's considered a use-it-or-lose-it fund. Um, so if you don't use up all your funds at the end of the year, you're going to actually give those back to the fund. Um, the maximal deferral is $2,850 for this plan. It's the same amount whether you're single or family. And our plan has a feature built in where you can actually use remaining funds from the previous year through March 15th of the current year. Um, but there are some additional rules for that, such as uh, when the services were provided. So if you've got questions about using a carryover amount, you definitely want to call over to the Benefits Center. Excellent. Okay, so let's take a look into our contract. So today with our contract, we're going to take a look at the overtime language and specifically some changes that were made um, in the past couple of years. 
So all overtime is still tracked by job code on the respective shift and within the agreed upon overtime areas. But the union and the company agreed to make some changes to the way that we track the disparities. Um, so beginning October 4th of 2021, all overtime sheets for Connecticut and Florida seniority areas were reset to zero hours. What we do is we go for 13 weeks, and after 13 weeks, the company will examine the overtime records with the union, and we'll determine if there's any disparities greater than 24 hours within each job code. If a disparity exists, the company will have 13 weeks going forward to make up and resolve anything owed in excess of the 24-hour buffer. If the inequality has not been resolved during that 13-week makeup period, uh, a payout will occur for any employee in the affected job code on the respective shift in the overtime area. And this payout, it's important to remember, it's based on an agreed-upon formula. It's not a dollar-for-dollar or hour-for-hour payout. Um, so you can't just say, oh, I was owed that many hours. That's what I'll get. That's not going not gonna to equate. Um, it's important to remember as well that no other payments are going to be made for overtime discrepancies during the period. So we used to just have you raise your hand whenever you want. Now we've got everything on a set schedule of when we look at the disparities. And that's really um, the purpose behind this agreement, right? The company and union had talked a long time about um, how much time and, and money was being spent on overtime grievances in the grievance procedure and and it was it was sort of a nightmare so um so this is this is the fix to that problem yeah and you it's also important to remember that you can still grieve other violations of our overtime language so if a lead person's being given preferential treatment or on the contrary not being given their fair share you can grieve that um, if somebody is brought in from outside the overtime area and you're not offered overtime area and the person on loan is, you should still raise your hand, file a grievance. Um, so it's important to still address those issues, but your standard disparities um, as far as 13-week periods are going to be tracked, like we said, on this set schedule now. Excellent. Okay, so what everybody wants to talk about and hear about is the future of Sikorsky Aircraft. That's what we came here to talk about yes. today. Um there's a lot to talk about. So we represent the workers at Sikorsky Aircraft, and, and we're proud of the work that we do for this company. This is, this is the number one helicopter manufacturer in the world. Yep. Nobody does it better than Sikorsky Aircraft. If you come to our union hall, you're going to see murals of helicopters on the walls in our meeting hall, um, statements saying that we're the makers of the finest helicopters in the world. We're proud of the work that we do for this company. Um, and, and, and that, that's important, right? It's important to be partners with this company. It's important to be invested in the work that they're doing. And, and obviously the topic for today is to be invested in the future of the company because their future is our future. We do not exist without them. So really important to know what's coming, what's on the horizon. So what does that future look like? Um, well, one of the big ones going to be the 53K also known as the King Stallion. Yeah. Yeah. We've obviously had models of that in the past. We had the A model, the D model, the G model, and the E model. Uh, but now we're working on the 53K, and it's going to be the most advanced heavy lift helicopter in the world. Yeah. And, and listen, the timing of that program couldn't be better, right? The, the Blackhawk and Blackhawk derivative contracts are dwindling every year, right? We're, we're building fewer and fewer Blackhawk yes. H-60 model aircraft every year. 
and we really needed something to replace that downturn. And the K is what did that, right? The K is doing that right now. Yeah, this is what is really driving the hiring surge of the past two years. Um, it's going to be an expensive aircraft at about $91.6 million, according to the Navy. Yeah, they, they want to get that down. The Navy's pretty pretty adamant about getting that down to, um, I think they're looking to get it down to around $89 million. So, um, you know, they, we're a few million dollars over what they expect to pay, but um, but that's okay. Um, more money in our pockets, right? Yeah, and they're getting a ton of capabilities now. They're going to have ship-to-shore capabilities. Um, compared with its predecessor, they're going to have a modern glass cockpit, uh, new, more powerful engines, composite blades, a larger cabin, uh, fly-by-wire. Yeah, it's fly-by-wire. That's huge. If if anybody listening remembers the old days, remembers the, the 53E, um, man, oh man, fly-by-wire is going to make this thing just a, a whole different animal. It's That's an amazing upgrade. Yep. Um, 36,000 pound payload capacity. So they've actually increased the payload uh, three times that of the E model. Wow. Which, and it's twice that of the nearest competitor. So that's pretty amazing to think about. The nearest competitor can only lift half the half the weight. Yeah, you know when when we talk about and we will be talking about competitions for for other programs, there was no competition for this program, right? There just wasn't. This the the K was a shoe in from the very beginning. There's there's nothing out there that compares to this aircraft. It seems like they really looked at every part of the design and figured out how can we make it fit into what the Army's current needs are and and integrate at a low cost um they're yeah. able to transport these inside of a c5 or c17 cargo jet um it's easier to, and cheaper to maintain yeah um so this is what amazed me when i was doing research for this i didn't know this uh, i don't work on that program i work in overhaul and repair so i work on older model aircraft i had no idea the k has 63 percent fewer parts than the e Wow, that's amazing because it's bigger and heavier and and it, it's a beast. But um, but but there aren't as many things to put together on that aircraft, and that's really important when it comes to maintaining that aircraft in the field. Uh, we have delivered five aircraft to the U.S. Marines, with four more scheduled for this year. Oh, all right. That seems like a lot of work, right, Jay? You work out on final assembly. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot of work. They're they're looking at beginning delivering on a 200 aircraft order starting in 2025. So we're not even into the bulk of this yet. Yeah. Um, and it, it's going to be a ton of work. We've yeah. got a lot of new employees on it. Um, it's pretty amazing to see just the sheer size of the thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many aircraft per year um, we're going to be building when we ramp up to full production. I, I just I can't imagine pumping these things out like crazy i just they're they move so slowly down that assembly line yeah. and uh, but i know that we're in low rate production right now and i know that that's part of that is you know working out some of the kinks of the program so um it's understandable but um you know we have 200 aircraft to deliver starting in 2025 and israel right at the end of last year israel just bought 12 more so now we have 212 aircraft to deliver so yeah. far and germany's looking to buy yeah. them too it might be hard to imagine, but I remember the height of us building Blackhawks when we were throwing everything we had at it, and that line was rolling. Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, you could see physically see the aircraft moving yeah, right wow. on a daily basis. And that's the big thing. Once we ramp up, I think a lot of people are aware of this. It takes time to ramp up, but once we ramp up and we're rolling, we can pump these out. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and so, with a 53, you've got so much more room inside. You can have more people working on it you exactly. know, at the same time. Oh, yeah. It's going to yeah. be nice to stand up in the uh, cabin, stretch out. Yeah. Right. Have a little little yep. extra room. Yeah. Um, what else? What else is important to talk about with the the K? I mean, that's that's a you know that's a legacy aircraft. It's brand new, but it's a legacy aircraft, really. Um, you know, there's a 50 year history behind that the 53 model aircraft, right? There have been the A model, the D model, the G model, the E model. So um, for 50 years, we've been we've been building those things. That's a long time. I was a little kid. Yeah, that is a long time. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we still have some. It's not members. that long. <laughs> We still have some members on the floor who remember building the E, and it's yeah. kind of cool to hear those stories, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I remember working the E in my first year. So um, so the, the K is really important, right? The, the K is what's transitioning us from, you know, from the Blackhawk to the future, really. It is that transition program into the future. The Blackhawk is going to go away. It, it, it is the Blackhawk is what made this company what it was, what it is. You know, we were not the number one helicopter manufacturer in the world when the Blackhawk was first being built. Um, it made us the number one helicopter company in the world. Yeah. So tough to lose that program, but it's time, right? It's time to transition into the future. And, and the long-term success of the company really relies upon um, not just the K, but uh, maybe more importantly, these two Army programs that are coming up, right? Um, they're part of what's called the future, future Vertical Lift Program. It's an Army program that, that really seeks to replace, I think it's seven aircraft, seven wow. current aircraft, rotary wing aircraft, Um you know we're part of we're part of the the bid process for two of those programs within Future Vertical Lift. That's FARA and FLARA. Um, we we want to spend some time talking about that um, because you know this is something that the Army's been wanting for a while. It's um, 2004 is when they started talking about Future Vertical Lift, um, and and it's a you know again a program to develop a family of helicopters. Right, so. So they want these helicopters to, to operate in unison with one another, right, with common hardware. Um, it, it's an interesting concept. Uh, it's, again, meant to replace a bunch of aircraft, including the Blackhawk, the Apache, the Chinook, and the Kiowa. So that's, that's a lot of work, right? Yeah, it's a lot of work, but I think... You know, in terms of what they're going to get out of it by having just less platforms to maintain, um, they're going to have a lot of cost savings. Yeah. So absolutely. If they do it right, they're going to have a lot of cost savings. It's pretty cool that they've designed this kind of as like a, a package in order to, you know, have the products complement each other, but also to fit into the existing infrastructure that the Army has. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about those programs. Let's start off with FARA, right? FARA stands for Future Attack Reconnaissance Aircraft. We are a sole source bidder in that competition. It's it's down to us and Bell Helicopter, right? Um, this is a, this is a tough competition. I know that there's been some talk in the news lately. I just read an article the other day um, where the Army is you know concerned with the the cost of that program and um, we, we hope that 
you know, nothing goes wrong, but they, they certainly have been talking a little more than what we're comfortable with about that program. But bottom line is right now it's alive and um, it's part of the Army's future package. So our aircraft that we're putting forward is what? What do we... What do we... The, uh... The Raider X aircraft that's based off of Sikorsky's X2 technology. Yeah, the um, so so and and we're going to talk about Flora later, but um, both of the aircraft in in these two programs that we're going to talk about are are based off of that X2 technology, and that X2 technology was groundbreaking, right? Yeah, they, they did that years ago. Sikorsky did that years ago and came up with this idea for. Um, a, a dual main rotor, right, with counter-rotating blades. And what that does is, and, and I think everybody at Sikorsky is at least a little bit familiar with the concept now, but what it does is it allows you to, to eliminate that tail rotor, right, the traditional tail rotor that a helicopter yeah. has. The, the purpose of a tail rotor is to stop the aircraft from spinning yeah. with, the, with the main rotor. So with the counter-rotating um, dual rotor head, you no longer have that problem. Um, and, and what we were able to do is put a pusher prop on the back of the aircraft. And so it's, it's a helicopter, but it's a damn fast helicopter, yeah. right? So that technology has been incorporated into these two programs, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, you can actually go on YouTube and pull up the video of when they broke the speed record, which is pretty cool. That's it's wild. pretty cool, yeah. I remember when that aircraft was actually brought up to Connecticut and we were able to go see it in the plant. Yep. Um, and it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Sikorsky has won um, more than one Collier Awards, which is the, the Collier Award is is the it, it's a it's a aviation award that's really prestigious. And and we've won it twice, I think. And one of the one of the victories was um, the X2. So the X2 won the Collier Trophy, which is uh again pretty prestigious it definitely seems like our company is the one that's always pushing the boundaries and trying to design products that are going to you know take things to the next level yep um and you know bell thinks that they're they're pushing the boundaries um I, i'm i'm not a fan of that v22 technology which is that's their candidate for for this competition yep. is um it, it's called i don't know which one they're putting up they're putting up two aircraft for these two programs valor i know is one of them but oh yeah i'm sorry so it's invictus i just just looked that up invictus is the name of the aircraft that they're putting up for Farah, and, and it's just another osprey right it's a smaller oh, version geez. of the osprey it's a tilt rotor um winged aircraft and um, I just, I don't know how you put that up in a competition f for replacing helicopters. It's so, not a helicopter. So basically, we're putting up cutting-edge technology, and they're putting up old technology. Yep. Old technology that's already being phased out in the United States Marine Corps. So some of the benefits of the Raider X, it's obviously got increased maneuverability, having counter-rotating props uh, and the pusher prop in the back. Um, enhanced low speed hover, off axis hover, so you can hover at an angle. Um, That's amazing. That is amazing. Think about that, right? Yeah. That that aircraft can hover at an angle. That's weird it's to wild. me. I, I can't even I can't even picture that in my mind's eye. Yeah, and they can f accelerate level. So you know you're used to seeing as as a helicopter accelerates, the nose is kind of tipped down. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And with this aircraft, they can accelerate level and. Uh, 
they can pretty much break and stop forward flight without yeah, flaring as that, well. That pusher prop also can be reversed, and it can be a braking prop, right? Oh, wow. So it, it actually stops the aircraft from moving without that flare, um, which is super um, – I mean, that's that's really important, right, to the maneuverability and, and um, landing that aircraft becomes much easier. Yeah, especially if you're trying to land on a small area like a – you know. A, like a war zone, <laughs> a war zone or a ship at sea. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I don't know how. I I guess the 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 Bell the the Bell aircraft. I guess it 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 lands like a helicopter, right? I said. I suppose. I don't know. Probably it's like a good the starting Osprey. Point. It probably does. I don't work for Bell. I don't know what they do. <laughs> but yeah, really impressive technology. I, I personally don't know how it doesn't win the competition, but um, I'm not an Army general, so I don't make those decisions. But, but yeah, it's got a lot of, lot of cool stuff. And, and that, that program becomes really important to us as workers because we're the sole source bidder, right? right. So we're going to build everything just like yep. the Blackhawk, just like we did with that. Um, because in today's world, there's a lot of partnerships now on big programs like this. And and in a minute, we'll talk about Flora, which we're partnered with Boeing on. But but this one, we are not partnered with anyone on. So that's all our work, right? So that's really important for us. Even though there's not as many aircraft probably going to be built for FARA as opposed to Flora, um, we're going to build them all. So that's really important to talk about. Um, but let's talk about Flora because personally, I think Flora is the more important contract just just purely because of the size of the contract. It's 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 meant to replace the Blackhawk. There are literally thousands of Blackhawks flying around out there, and and so that's a big, big, big program. Yeah. Um, it's a more expensive aircraft. It's a larger aircraft. So, uh, you know, I, I think that just means more work for us, right? Yeah. So really important, again, FLARA. FLARA stands for Future Long Range Assault Aircraft. It's the Blackhawk replacement. Um, we are partnered with Boeing Aircraft on that. Uh, Defiant is our candidate for that program. Um, and it's it's really kind of the big brother of raider right right and it's also uh, x2 technology as well yeah so if you haven't had a chance go online google this thing it is amazing it's amazing you know what i was impressed with so uh, i know that rocco and and a couple of the guys went down to florida and they actually got to see the aircraft and we actually we published a photograph of rocco and some folks standing in front of defiant outside the hangar and that thing is huge. Wow. It's a beast. It the, and the rotor head alone, like I, I I didn't realize how big that rotor head was. It's got twenty five percent more sling load capacity than a Blackhawk. Wow. And and I mean that's what Blackhawk was built for, right? It was built for, for carrying troops and lifting equipment. Yeah. And so as it's a utility helicopter, but it's you know, it, it's a strong helicopter and to think that raid uh, sorry, Defiant can can lift 25% more. That's really impressive. And it's still got all the added benefits of the Raider X technology. So, it, you know, it's got a lot of commonality between its little brother, so to speak. Um, it's twice as fast, has twice the range of the Black yeah. Hawk, 
and it can operate in the same physical space space as a Blackhawk. So it that's can, really important. Same landing zones, uh, same hangar and maintenance space, same parking pads and tie downs. So when you think about again integrating into existing infrastructure that the army has this is a huge cost yeah. savings yeah the the army calls it or the the military really calls it switching costs yep. right when when they when they talk about the cost of a program they calculate in the cost to switch from one program to another right yeah. the physical cost of switching from one program to another the our our aircraft defiant really reduces that switching cost. Yep. You talk about that it is it's the same footprint as a Blackhawk. It's a larger aircraft than a Blackhawk, but the blades don't extend as far. It's a rigid blade rotor head, so yep. it, so the blades don't extend out as far as a Blackhawk. So the larger fuselage um, it still fits into the same footprint as a Blackhawk. Awesome. So again, like Jason said, same hangers same tie downs on on the flight line same maintenance facilities everything's the same right that's same landing zone when you're when you're talking about going into a war zone it's the same landing zone that's really important for for pilots for for you know soldiers to think about sounds like a really good selling point it really does And, and that was done on purpose right that wasn't it wasn't like we went oh wow, this is kind of cool. It fits in the same spot. That was a, a purposeful design um, of the aircraft to, to make sure that it would fit in the same space. That, I think, makes it hard for another company to come in and compete, too, because as we lower yeah. the switching cost, they have to already compete with the fact that there is a switching cost to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have a built-in advantage. You know, the other thing you think about, too, is hopefully we get these products um, – these contracts awarded and then it you know you look forward to what are we going to produce next yeah i mean this 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 has you know such implications for the future right i think these two aircraft raider and defiant they they change helicopters right they change rotary craft forever yeah in the face of our military yeah the way that we conduct operations yeah and our allies you know you think about other countries that are trying to sign on and buy the 53k for instance you know israel bought 12 of them at the end of 2021 not to go backwards but yeah yeah i'm i'm trying to look up and i'm i'm having trouble finding it do either of you know how fast um defiant is i i, I want to say 280 knots i was gonna it's say over, it was yeah. something like Two, that. 250 maybe um and, and the reason i bring that up is the the selling point that I think the Bell aircraft has is speed and its top speed is 300 knots. So, so to sacrifice everything else for 50 extra knots, I'm not sure if that's enough, right? It, because it cannot land like a helicopter. You know, they say it can, but it can't, it cannot come in at a high speed and and stop and land right the way that aircraft works is a is a a a slow methodical slowdown to to transition into vertical flight and then drop down it's not the same so um when you know when you're talking about the the critical part of a mission right which is getting down on the ground leaving what you need to leave and getting back up in the air I, i don't think there's any comparison to our product 
right? I mean, it, it's going to do 250 knots. It's going to get there pretty quick, um, and it's going to get down on the ground, drop its payload, and get back off the ground real fast. I'm finding 220 knots. 220. Yeah, the Raider does 250. Okay, Raider does 250. Um, but, but like you said, I think, you know, you get to a point where the additional speed is only so valuable. Right. Like having that maneuverability and the ability to get in and out of places, tight places, you know, in a yeah. war zone, that's critical. That's what a helicopter does, right? right? That's, that's what a vertical lift aircraft does. And I think that's the difference between next generation aircraft versus, you know, more of the same by Bell. Yeah. So, so these programs, right, FARA and FLARA, and, and, you know, we could talk about them all day long. It's, it's really, really important to understand how critical these programs are to our future, right? Th- these two programs, winning these two programs, are, are what's going to keep people working at Sikorsky Aircraft at, at the levels that we're at now, right? Um, I don't know what the impact of losing them is going to be, uh, but certainly there would be an impact, right? There, there's certainly uh, uh, an implication towards employment levels if we lose these programs, because quite frankly, we're gearing up to try to transition into these programs as well. And I don't think with Blackhawk going away, and Blackhawk is done in 2028. Yeah. That's not far off. No, yeah. once these programs are gone, it, they're hard to get back. It's hard to, to restart production. Um, and that's why it also makes it more important that we do get selected because that keeps us designing the best products for tomorrow. Yeah, you know, um, a, a lot of the stuff I'm reading about, so when you when you talk about programs like this, there's a lot of mention, and, and I didn't understand it when I first started reading, but, but I do understand it now. They talk about the industrial base, right? And there's a lot of talk about the industrial base. And, and right now, Sikorsky aircraft and Boeing aircraft are the industrial base for rotary wing aircraft. The Army doesn't buy helicopters from any other companies. It's Boeing and Sikorsky, and that's yeah. it. Right. So so we lose these programs. The, the industrial base for rotary wing aircraft go, goes away yeah. for the U.S. Army. Right. If our if our assembly lines stop, like you said, Jason, they're nearly impossible to restart. Right. Yeah. Because assembly lines stop. You lay off the people that work those assembly lines. Yeah. How do you get that back? Right. And you lose that generational knowledge that you get from yeah, you people, you know, being trained within the factory and learning, you know, how to build these things. It's not, you know, just put A next to B and screw together. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much tribal knowledge in that place, right? Yeah. And and like you said, we lose that. Um, so we're we're entering the last multi-year contract for H60. That blows my mind. Yeah. I I came to work here. I, I think we were we were less than a thousand aircraft into the Blackhawk contract and we've built thousands of them now. Um, and, and and it's going to be gone right within, within my career, we're going to stop building those aircraft. Yeah. So the, the people are coming behind me and behind, even behind you guys, right? We need these programs to sustain employment at this company at the levels we're at. Yes, we do. I don't, I don't think with the K here, I don't think this company dies, right? 
but um, but but certainly we need these programs to sustain high levels of employment. So for both of these programs, Bell is our competition, right? Um, they they are a helicopter manufacturer, but they don't produce any military helicopters, right? They're a civilian helicopter company essentially. They they have a piece in the V twenty two Osprey that tilt rotor aircraft right that the Marines operate, um, and that's it right. So that's their offering in both of these programs, Invictus and Valor for the the two programs respectively, and they're both tilt rotor aircraft. Um, one is a little bit bigger than the other. They're just mini versions of the Osprey, and and they're they're not helicopters. Um, and, and that's all I can say about that, yeah. right? I, it's all I keep saying is they're, they're not helicopters. They operate with a different footprint. Um, you know, when we talk about that switching cost, the Army's going to have to invest in, you know, new flight field, new, new hangars, new maintenance facilities, right? All kinds of stuff that, that they're going to have to um, change with these aircraft. I think that's, for us, the biggest selling point. Yeah, I think they'd rather have the ability to just buy more aircraft with that money than to have to, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly, retool their existing. Yeah. And I honestly don't know the um, the cost difference between our offering and Bell's offerings. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. I'm sure that that is a factor in in what the Army is is considering. But at the end of the day, in 2004, when the Army conceptualized future vertical lift it was defined as a helicopter program yeah right we're giving them helicopters yep and one company won a collier award and yeah broke <laughs> yeah. the speed record for yeah. the fastest helicopter in the world yeah. so <laughs> so if you like helicopters army yeah yes. we're the company to go with absolutely yeah. all right so so folks that's the future of sikorsky aircraft right um th- there's certainly uh, some some question about the future the K is here. The K is doing great, um, and, and I think the K is going to do great. And I think we'll sell it to other customers, and, and it's going to sustain this company for years to come. But we need, we need more than that, right? With, um, with what the Blackhawk is, it, the hole that the Blackhawk is leaving in this company has to be filled. Um, so I think the message to our members is you know, let's make sure that we're we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Right. You know, I I, I hate that stigma that unions get, um, where uh, you know we're lazy workers. We don't we don't do our jobs because we're protected. We you know I preach all the time to new employees. Don't listen to those people that tell you to slow down on the job. Do your job as quickly as you can. Do your job with with 100% quality. Let's get yes. those aircraft out the door. When we perform in those factories, the customer sees that, right? It reduces costs, and it allows us to win programs like this and to win future programs, and, and it, it, it allows customers to, to want to buy more aircraft. So... Part of this is on us, right? Let's, as as union workers, let's prove to the world and to our customers that we're the best workers in this industry. Absolutely. All right. Um, so what do we got coming up? Any events coming up? Well, we have a membership meeting coming next month on April 20th. Yep. Um, as usual, 
um, we ask everybody to, to, you know, come on by. Um, I say it, I think, every episode. Don't listen to the rumors. The rumor mill at Sikorsky Aircraft is is um, active and 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 it's a it's a living beast. It, it is right. You so can't listen to what you hear on the shop floor. No. Come and hear it for yourself. Yep. Yeah. Come. There's no reason nowadays to not get good information. We're making it so accessible. Um, you can come down to the meeting, get a free lunch, listen to everything, ask whatever questions you have, or if you can't make it, you can click on a Zoom link and watch the meeting live, and yep. you can still ask questions, still be yeah. involved. I, I I have a buddy in the shop who he attends every meeting on Zoom. Um, and, and it's 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 part of his workout for the day. He says he gets on his um, he, he's got a he's got a stationary bike and he gets on his stationary bike and he listens to the meeting and he won't stop until the meeting's over. Oh wow! Which is why I love long meetings because I imagine him sweating like crazy on that bike and wishing that the meeting would end. But um, but yeah, get on Zoom, listen listen in on the meeting, or come down and and like Jason said, get a free lunch and and listen to what's going on right there's a lot going on we're going to talk about contract negotiations in every meeting from here on in right because it's it's coming um and and um and we want to know what's going on with that right so come down and listen what else contract surveys oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah yeah contract surveys please do your contract survey and uh, let us know what you want to see in the contract they're important and uh Talk about making it easy, right? Yes. There used to be paper paper surveys all over the factories. Yep. Um, Jason has done an unbelievable job making that easy. Yes, we put that we put that thing online. You can in in a matter of five minutes, you can take a survey and we can read it. Yep, absolutely. Right. So get on the app. You can do the survey right through the app, or you can get online and and do it online. There's a link on our website. Just click on that link. And take the survey that way, but take a survey, right? Let yes, us know what you want to see definitely. in the new contract. Okay. Yeah, and you could take it as many times as you want. So if you have another thought that comes to you, you change your mind, you want to, you know, reconfigure what's important to you, go back in, take the survey again, and we're going to keep analyzing it as we go. Excellent. Vinny, what's going on in the labor world out there? So, the, the- and if you don't lead off with Major League Baseball ending their lockout, um, as a huge baseball fan, yes. I'm going to be pretty angry. They, that, to me, that's the greatest labor victory uh, of the week. The major, the major league baseball players association has uh, ratified a new contract on March 10th, ending the lockout. Play ball. Yeah. So we'll have Love major it. league baseball this year. Yeah, I'm pretty psyched about that. What else is going the on? The other big one is the teachers in Minneapolis, Minnesota, have gone on strike for better wages. For not only the teachers, but other support professionals, and they want safe and stable schools. Some of the topics that they're differing with the school administration on is the the size of the classes, and they want more mental health services for students that attend those schools. How dare they? They want fair wages and safe schools and and support for their kids. I know, right? How dare they? (laughs) I mean, that's a very worthy thing to strike over, if you ask me. For sure. And the other one is Starbucks in Buffalo, New York. On Wednesday the 9th, they went three for three. 
Two locations voting the unionized 15 to 12 and the other one 8 to 7. That is awesome. Despite an, an aggressive anti-union campaign by the company. You know, those little victories are the ones that I love. Me too. Right? Uh, be, because that kind of shows, um, especially with Starbucks, and, and I'm sorry if you're tired of hearing about Starbucks out there, it's, right? But It's the but one. It's a phenomenon, right? It, this is a grassroots effort, and they're winning it. Right. They're they're winning these small victories. And it's really indicative of of a change in the mindset in this country. Right. Young people, they're they're they interested want a union. In, yeah, they're interested in unions. Yep. Right. So that's awesome. And I think that's just going to grow. And I think other uh, company people that work at other companies are seeing this and they're getting itchy to do the same thing. Yep. And and listen, um, you know, Amazon shouldn't get complacent because, you know, we're getting all pumped up about little victories because we're coming after Amazon, yes. too. Amazon's next, hopefully. But there are a lot of others, I think, coming down the pipeline. So I'm I'm looking forward to see them. What else? Anything else out there? Um, Not right now. I might be missing something, but I don't think so. Something going on up in Rhode Island. What's going on in Rhode Island? Oh, yeah, that's that's been going on, right? Johnson Brothers. Yeah. But that's been going on for a long time, yeah. and they still haven't gotten a contract. Yeah, terrible. Um, we need to get up there. We need to get up there and get on their picket lines. Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a podcast from their picket lines. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, so we end every episode with a, a quote from somebody within labor. Um, what do we got? This week, Vinny. So we have a quote from Hattie Canty, and she was a legendary African-American unionist uh, who worked in, in Las Vegas, but she was from uh, originally from rural Alabama. She is known as one of the greatest strike leaders in the, in the United States history. She rose from the ranks of Las Vegas hotel maids to become president of the Las Vegas Culinary Workers Union Local two, uh, 226. She led one of the longest strikes in U.S. history in 1991. She led 550 workers on strike for six and a half years. What? <laughs> Did that strike ever settle? Yeah. The, a new company bought where they were working, and they settled. Wow. Then. Six and a half years. How many people were picketing after six and a half years? I don't, that, that I do not know. Man, that's amazing. Wow. She championed living wages for her, her uh, union workers so they could support themselves. Six years fighting for living wage. That's crazy. And uh, her Ugh. quotes, I got two quotes from her. Coming from Alabama, this seemed like the civil rights struggle, the labor movement, and the civil, civil rights movement, you cannot separate the two. Awesome. And the other one is no contract, no peace. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Um, so, so that does it for us for this week. Um, again, we always say thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Please remember to follow us. Go to Podbean and follow the 10 to 12 podcast. But remember, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you love about this podcast. Let us know what you hate about this podcast because we want to hear what you hate about it as well so that we can change it and make it what you want to hear, right? Email us at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, we'll, we'll do an episode for you if you got a great topic for us. 
Um, but again, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And until next time, I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you next time.